0: One of my favorite quotes, it's it's from Napoleon Hill. It says, action is the real measure of intelligence. Action is the real measure of intelligence. And so wh- who, what's the difference between somebody that reads a book and takes action and somebody that reads a book and chooses not to take action? Everything. That's the entire difference between the two people. So it's by taking
1: action on what we learn that our lives start to improve the making of a modern man a podcast dedicated to ambitious men who want to unlock the potential from their mind body and life my name's jack taylor and i'm a men's health performance and behavior change specialist i believe that every man has the potential for greatness most just don't know how to unlock it and that is the intention of this podcast to help you step into your power and become the man you've dreamt of being So if you're now ready to elevate all areas of your life, let's dive in. What's up guys and welcome back. Today's episode is with Nick Hutchison. Nick's the visionary force behind BookThinkers, a growing seven-figure marketing agency that bridges the worlds of authors and readers. Nick also runs a podcast, BookThinkers Life-Changing Books which is a global top 2% show that features many interviews with some world-class authors such as Grant Cardone, Lewis Howes, and Alex Hormozzi, three of which are big favourites of mine. As you can probably tell, Nick's passion is books. So much so that he's written his own book, Rise of the Reader, which is to be released on November 1st. In today's episode, we're going to be covering the biggest mistakes people make when reading self-help books, how to maximise your knowledge and retention when reading through the hacks that he has written about in his book, and how to master your reading habits and apply what you've learned. This was an episode I personally gained a lot from through Nick's wisdom and advice, and I know you will too. So if you're ready, let's dive in. Nick, thank you for being here today. I know it's one o'clock where you are uh, over uh, over in America. I um, appreciate you hopping on. I'm looking forward to us having a chat today.
0: Yeah, Jack. Listen, man, it's been great to meet you. I feel great vibes already. And uh, you're my kind of person, it seems like. So excited to see what we get into.
1: Awesome, man. Awesome. So I guess both for myself, selfishly, but also for the audience, too. A little bit of background information on yourself. I know you said that you've recently been married as well. So congratulations on that. And you're a traveler. But just for a bit bit of an understanding so we can get a bit of a background on who Nick is. Sure. So when I was growing up, I
0: was not much of a reader. I was more of the athlete stereotype, not much of the academic. In fact, I had a lot of insecurities around my ability to communicate, so I tried to avoid reading and presenting in school growing up, but I also had sort of a little bit of an ego issue that I developed towards my late teens, sort of early 20s. So I was, uh, like I said, not much of a reader, more of an academic, but going into my senior year of university. I discovered the world of personal development podcasts and I had about an hour commute to and from this internship that I had. So I started listening to a lot of podcasts just like this, where a host interviews a series of guests. Those guests talk about what they did to become successful and a bunch of them recommended books. So here I was one day just kind of realizing like, if I really want to be like these people, if I want to be successful and if I should probably check out some of these books. And if I choose not to, I'm deliberately choosing to live under my potential. So I'm 29 years old now. I've read hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these personal development and business and philosophy and psychology books, and I've implemented them to create my dream life. And uh, it happened faster than I thought it could. You know, that's kind of a long story short, but, um, you know, I also have a business that works with hundreds of authors a year to help them promote their messages I have a podcast that interviews about 50 authors a year. We worked with a lot of really big names, you know, Grant Cardone, Lewis Howes, Alex Hormozy, people like that. And uh just learning as much as I can from every single person that I interact with so that I can be the best version of myself.
1: Nice. I love that. I love that. And there's there's so much so much power held within my like, books, especially. But I think in this new medium of podcasting that we we have found over the past like 10 to 15 years um it's providing and hitting the different sensory stimulation right is that very similar to yourself I almost had like a resistance to reading um I wasn't massively academic when I was at school like I had academic capabilities but very very much similar to yourself where lent heavily into the the health and fitness and athlete world which almost you you have an obligation to almost push books away at that point um and then stumbled across the world of personal development, I would say much similar to yourself in the, the realm of podcasts to start with out of curiosity, what was the podcast that first got you hooked?
0: It was called the science of success. The the first one, the science of success by Matthew Bodner. But after that, I just started jumping around to tons of different shows. So I'd listen to like four or five interviews here, four or five interviews there. And I probably tried out like 20 or 30 different podcasts that first summer and you know it was shocking to me just how often the same book titles came up you know people read books like rich dad poor dad by robert kiyosaki or the seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen covey and it's just like the same names and you know it's like oh there there's kind of a pattern here
1: you know what i mean for sure yeah absolutely and i guess like when you start to like listen to podcasts it's such a and, and books as well. It's such an interesting point is that it almost feels like you are rubbing shoulders with the giants that you would never actually be able to, at that point in time, be in a room with. So there is such a fountain of knowledge that you're exposed to. What were your introductions to the, I guess, the, the book side of personal development as well? You've kind of mentioned the podcast. What were the books that you thought, you know what, these keep getting repeated? I have to start dipping my toes into what, looking at what these are about. You know,
0: I remember listening to some of these podcasts, and they would talk about how to find the best book for your situation. And so for me at the time, you know, I was, I was hearing that you should pick a book that can help solve a pain in your life. And I was a business student that didn't know much about money or personal finance. So all of the first books that I read were about money and personal finance. I had a scarcity mindset, but I also had a lack of literacy. I just didn't understand how money worked. So I think when I was in in school, when conversations about money would come up, how much you're going to earn after school, kids are starting to invest in real estate and stuff, I would shy away from those conversations. So that was the pain that I wanted to overcome, my insecurity around the subject of money. So the first book that I read was Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And in that book, he says, listen, the subject of money, personal finance, it's not taught in school, which means it's taught at home. And so if you grow up in a poor or middle-class family, you're going to learn poor or middle-class money habits. That's why the wealth gap continues to divide itself. So I just jumped in, man. I read The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. I read The Richest Man in Babylon by George S. Clayson. I read so many books on money. And what happened is, let's just say five books, $100, five books, 25 hours of my time. I completely removed all my financial insecurity, and I started leading those conversations. So I was just sitting back like $100 and a few hours of my time, and I just solved something that I dealt with on a daily basis that created anxiety. It's gone. In fact, I'm leading those conversations. Like, What other areas of my life can I apply this magic of reading to? That's kind of how it happened.
1: Yeah, and I think that's such an important note as well is that I often hear many, many people from the audience, many people I engage and interact with on a frequent basis, they they make some form of comments to, uh, towards uh, how frequently they see myself like reading and they, they often start asking the question of like, how can I start to build that habit of reading and they're looking for book recommendations but I think that's a, it's a really interesting point that you've made there almost like how to highlight where you should put your focus first is try and solve like your biggest pain and your biggest problem at present. And you'll probably be quite motivated to read that book as well. You'll find.
0: Yeah. And you said something earlier, standing on the shoulders of giants. I remember watching a, it was a Ted talk very early on by Ty Lopez, internet marketer. Not everybody loves this guy, but I thought he was pretty cool back in the day. He was like the Lamborghini in my garage guy. So Ty said to the audience, he said, raise your hand if you'd come over to my house tomorrow night for dinner, fly all the way over there if I told you that Arnold Schwarzenegger was going to be there talking about bodybuilding or weightlifting, whatever. And Steve Jobs was going to be there talking about entrepreneurship. Elon Musk was going to be there talking about innovation. You know, and he just goes through these like world leaders. And he said, well, spoiler alert, like they're not actually going to be at my house, but I have all of their books or books written about them. And it's kind of the same thing. You can be in the room with these people. You can learn from them, ask them questions, filter decisions that you're making through their perspective. And it's always in the form of a book. And I just thought that was so cool. I'm like, you know, I've, these books literally condense decades of information of lived experience into days of reading from the world's most successful people in every single discipline of life, all of it, it's all super accessible. And so I just like, you know, obviously I've, I've decided to dedicate, you know, this portion of my life to this business in this, this space of personal development, but it's done wonders for me.
1: Was it an instant infatuation with books from that point onwards? It was very
0: fast. Now, I was really interested in reading them, but I didn't necessarily have like a passion for sharing books or anything with other people. It was more of a selfish intention upfront. But I think that as I continued to make book recommendations to other people and as problems in their lives started to disappear and they were a better version of themselves, I was like, oh, wow, like I, I feel really good doing that. Maybe I should start a community where I share my book recommendations and kind of interact with people. So that took a couple of years, but like I was instantly infatuated with them, I think just for myself.
1: Awesome, Yeah. I love that. And that, that dovetails nicely onto, I would imagine the, the foundations of the business that you've created. So shine a light on the evolution of that whole process and kind of where you find it today with, with book thinkers. Yeah, well, as I
0: started sharing the books that I was reading on social media, uh, that audience started to grow. And the first successful form of monetization came when some authors would reach out to me and they'd say, hey, Nick, my target reader for my book is in your audience. Can I pay you for a book review? And here I am, like my early 20s, reading tons of books for free. Now, all of a sudden, somebody wants to pay me for doing what I'd already be doing. Like, that's pretty cool. And so now I'm getting paid to improve myself. And what I realized reading these books is that you've always got to engage with your customers and ask follow-up questions. So I started asking, like, hey, Jack, how was that experience? Anything that you would improve? By the way, any other area of your book marketing, your book PR, podcasting, social media that I can try to improve for you? Because I'd love to work in this space full-time one day. And I tried out tons of crazy ideas that people had for free. Just so that I could learn and experience what my target customer, my author, was going through so that I could learn how to solve their problems, and uh, fast forward until today, I have ten people on my team. We support hundreds of authors a year in some type of paid capacity. It's a growing seven figure business, and uh, yeah, you know I the core mission though is to go back and solve that problem that I had, right? I was this young ego and insecurity filled guy who knew that he was living under his potential, knew that he wanted to improve his life, but didn't really know how to get there. And so now my entire business is all about putting the right book in the right hands at the right time so that each person can improve their lives.
1: And I guess that's really interesting from an actual business logistical point of view as well is because not only is then the author going to be your client, but it's almost the reader is your client at the same time. Yeah.
0: And and listen, that's why I decided to write this book, Rise of the Reader, because over the years, the authors were paying the bills, but the readers, they were getting all the book suggestions. And I was like, I have this big audience now. We do a million impressions a month through Instagram. I'm like, what do they want? And I started to have the same question hit me over and over and over again. People would say, Nick, I see you're reading all these books and you're implementing them to create real change in your life. How do you do that? Like, Because when I read them, I read them. It excites me, but I have a hard time taking action. And so what I started to realize was that even though I give my best effort answering these people, I'd send a voice note, I'd send a DM, I'd type out some reading strategies or whatever. But every time I walked away feeling like I could have given more, like I was underserving them. And so I decided I've got to write a book for two reasons. Number one, because that's the proper amount of time I think somebody should spend thinking about this information. But then number two, it forced me to almost like observe my own behavior from a third party perspective to see what, what the heck was I doing to like read a book and then instantly it becomes part of my life and I start using it. Like what does that process actually look like? So yeah, it took a little bit of a uh, little bit of time. But the reader is definitely my other customer, you know, and that's why I wrote the book for them is because I want to support them as much as possible too. Awesome.
1: And I think that's a, it's a really good point to make because see time and time again, that there is almost this like mental masturbation when it comes to books where we are incessantly trying to get as many scores or tallies next to our, our book credentials as possible and tick as many off. But Don't ever actually get around to implementing the knowledge that we've just acquired. And that can sometimes leave people in a more frustrating position than actually prior to ever reading the book because they become either hyper aware of a problem or actually now they're aware that they've got the tools to make the change. They're just not. So is that where this book was bred out of is to actually help the the reader solve that problem of no longer mentally masturbating and getting lost in the information, but helping them to actually execute on that information and implement.
0: Yes. 1000%. One of my favorite quotes, it's, it's from Napoleon Hill. It says action is the real measure of intelligence. Action is the real measure of intelligence. And so what's the difference between somebody that reads a book And takes action, and somebody that reads a book and chooses not to take action, everything. That's the entire difference between the two people. So it's by taking action on what we learn that our lives start to improve. But what's the roadmap look like? That's why I decided to write the book because I want to teach people my entire process. It starts by scheduling reading time in your calendar, choosing the right books, setting an intention for each book that you read, separating reading and note taking. How do you take notes so that you can take better action? How do you take notes and then consistently review them to lead to better retention? How do you build an activity tracker to actually measure your progress? How do you build an accountability group so that other people hold you accountable to the promises that you make? All of these things help us take better action. And it's unfortunately, I, at least I'm not aware of one prior to writing this book. Like, There's no manual of how to do that. But it's doing that that makes all the difference, right? So it was like, to me, it was like this super obvious gap in the market. Okay, yeah, all these books are coming out that tell you what to think about, but
1: they don't tell you how to implement it, you know? 100%. Because we are living within the information age where actually there is an abundance of information and maybe too much that actually can overwhelm a consumer to the point where you will... If you dig hard enough, find enough evidence to support either side of an argument. So for a lot of people, that can be really challenging to navigate because they can get stuck in this set this place of analysis paralysis where they're they're trying to figure out actually, well, what is right, what is wrong, what what shall I now do with this, these hundred pieces of new information that I've just obtained. So I think that's a it's a really valuable book that it sounds like you've written that will almost be like a a framework and a user guide to approaching self-help and a productivity space
0: yeah absolutely the way that i like to think about it now if i was selling it would be there's literally an opportunity cost to reading any other book in the whole universe before reading this one because you're not going to get as much out of it but if you read my book first you'll get more out of the rest of the books you read for eternity. At least that's how I want it to be felt and and the impact that I want it to have. Yeah. Because I mean that I mean we've we've talked about it but it's worth repeating because repetition leads to attention. Like without action nothing's going to happen. I like to kind of say it like this sometimes. If I read a good book and choose not to take action on it, there's no difference between reading that book And watching Netflix or playing video games, right? The book becomes a form of entertainment if you choose not to take action on it. And your future self is going to be reaching back into the past and slapping you around like, wake up, you have to take action.
1: That's how things change for me in the future. You know what I mean? And I guess that's where like that intent that you mentioned comes into play is that it's not necessarily a bad thing if you do choose to read for entertainment, but I guess it's then in the the outset getting clear on, is that my intention to read a novel for entertainment, to read a, a, a rom-com to, or whatever it may be. And that's totally fine, right? You can use that as your time to unwind and to relax. But if you are reading a book like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, or hundred million dollar leads that's just sat in front of me here like whatever it is that it's evident that you would like to obtain some form of change off the back of it you need to get clear on what that intent is
0: yeah i have my hundred million dollar my i have 10 copies just sitting to my left right now <laughs> um yeah 100 percent. i mean we're totally aligned as far as that's concerned and with the intention for each book well i'll mention something about fiction or rom-com or whatever. There's still value in reading those books outside of just entertainment sometimes. You mentioned we live in an information age where we only give each video on our phone a half a second <laughs> before we decide whether or not it's going to be a good fit for us. And so like what I like to do uh is sit down and read a book, read a physical pa- a paper book, and I like to practice my deep work skills. I like to practice my focus Inattention skills, I was joking around with with one of my friends the other day I was saying, "If I had to go back and apply for jobs again, like if book thinkers blew up and I had to go back into the workforce because I needed money, and somebody said, "What's one of your biggest strengths?" I'd say, "I can sit down and work distraction free for hours. I bet nobody else under the age of forty in your office can do that, and that's a skill set that I've developed while reading physical paper books that I can transfer to working behind a computer or any other area of my life. So, yeah, you're getting control back
1: of your, your mind, essentially. 100%. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's, it's actually a topic that I, I often speak about with clients and also on this podcast is that um, there is so much that is fighting for our attention, that our ability to get into that all-important place of of deep work, deep focus, where ultimately we find ourselves in a, a state of flow. And that's often where magic happens, right? with it's so cut it's coming so far and few between now that we are constantly distracted like your phone will ping an email will crop up there'll be some form of distraction and you'll almost have this this resistance to doing that deep work and i i personally find that reading a book is I, i i literally use it as like the gym for my mind it's it's the place where i almost train that muscle to be able to hold my attention for long periods of time have time away from screens um And, yeah, I think it's a really important message to kind of leave there as well. Now, we've gone through, like, what's inspired you to read this book, right? Is that you recognize that, I guess, this was written from a place of your own previous pain. Is that right?
0: Right, yeah. I think I was serving my younger self. You know, I think I'm still in my 20s, so there was a little bit of imposter syndrome Like, am I old enough to write a book? Have I lived enough experience to write a book? But I saw a video one day where somebody said, just serve your younger self, somebody who's one or two steps behind where you are right now. Could you provide value to that person? Like, of course I can. Over reading hundreds of books and living the last 10 years, there's so many things that I wish I could offer that person. And so that's why I decided to write it. Yeah, for sure.
1: It's a really interesting point on imposter syndrome, because I think that's, especially for high performers, And those who are highly ambitious and constantly striving to to level up their their level of progress and development, something that's quite prevalent in a lot of people. You've touched on it there, but what was the process of one, you identifying imposter syndrome for yourself and two, like working through that in, a I guess, a bit of a methodical way?
0: Well, I, I mentioned a little bit of this before, but once I started to sort of observe my own behavior, from a third-party perspective, I realized that the way that I move in the world, right, the way that I make things happen is completely different than what it was 10 years ago. And so I started to notice a huge difference between where I am today and where I was 10 years ago. And most of that learning happened through failure, you know, experience which is a great teacher. But if you can learn from the experiences and failures of other people, from the comfort of your own bedroom, reading a book, like you can save yourself a lot of time, which is the most valuable resource. And you can save yourself a lot of pain and discomfort too, which never feels great. So yeah, I think once I just started to like be present and and look at myself, try to close my eyes and just think like, what did I do this week to take action and how is that different than who I used to be and what I used to do? I just realized everything's different. So yeah, I wanted to write a cheat sheet, you know, for that person, that young motivated professional who's super confused about how to tackle life.
1: Nice. And I, I like the speaking to the importance of self-reflection. I think such a powerful tool to have and, also something that I think as a habit most people should actually just incorporate at least a checkpoint in their day to reflect on how like their wins and how they have behaved and like you say you you find so much power in observing your own behaviors both from a point of how far you've come but also then actually where do I need to go as well um so that's really cool so to the book right Let's, let's speak about the book as much as you're happy to divulge like what is the framework of the book if we even if we were I guess to look at the the chapter marks, how did you want this to be laid out? Because I would imagine that it's a framework, like you say, it's a cheat sheet. It's almost like a, it's in a sequential order, I would imagine, to be followed. What does that look like for the reader? Sure. So in the, in the
0: very beginning, I want to introduce people to the world of personal development. I want to explain to everybody why I've decided to dedicate this portion of my life to this world of personal development and opportunity. So I talk a little bit in the beginning of the book actually about regret. I talk about the fact that most people end up regretting living a life way under their own potential. And um I make you know I go through a lot of visualizations and references and and I just want to point out to people like you are capable of doing more. Then I dive into lifestyle design. Like talking about the fact that each of us can design a life that's uniquely fulfilling to us. And I help people visualize, what does that look like? What do you want your life to look like? Forget society's expectations for a minute, toss them to the side. What does that look like for you? What's your, you know, I, I say, what's your why I actually don't say what's your why, because I think that that's like overpopularized a little bit, but what brings you energy versus what is neutral versus what sucks your energy Do more of what brings you energy. Do less of what's neutral or sucks your energy. And then I talk into combating some of the downsides of self-help, just like you talk about, because I think if you jump into the world of the self-help industry and you're not aware of, you know, like the mental masturbation is a good example of it, or authors who are promising way more than they've ever achieved in their own lives, because there's a lot of snake oil salespeople in the personal development space. I just teach people how to combat that. Then I dive directly into how do you identify the right books? How do you identify the problems in your life that you need to solve or the skill sets in your life that you need to double down on and be better at to get to the next step? Um, You know, Working from the end in mind and how to read effectively and take great notes, how to set intention for each book that you're reading. Um, And we can pause there for a minute because I talk about a ton of other stuff, but I think this is a really important point. Let me pause while I grab my copy of a hundred million dollar leads here. <clears throat> so let's say that, cause I actually, I've gone through the audio book, but I haven't started the physical book. Let's pretend that this is the first time that I'm picking up this book. Instead of just reading it and looking to just implement something randomly, I want to set an intention, something that follows the smart goal framework. It needs to be specific, measurable, attainable, not make a million dollars by new leads next week, but something more attainable, something actionable. It's got to be relevant to my life, to my business, so that I stay emotionally connected to it. And I'm going to write this intention on the inside of the book, which I'll talk about in a minute. And then it needs to be time-bound because if you said, you know, I just need to implement this, you'll probably never take action. But if you say by the end of next week, okay, now you'll take some action. So here's what this might look like. On the inside cover of the book, I'm probably going to write something like find and implement at least two lead generation strategies that I can implement into book thinkers by the end of September. That's specific. It's measurable. Find and implement at least two. That's attainable. It's not crazy. It's actionable. It's going to be written on the inside cover of the book and it's time bound by the end of September. I'll know whether or not this book has served its purpose by the time I'm done reading it, right? And if I write that on the inside cover of the book and I review that intention each and every time I dive in, my brain will naturally filter for two things that I can implement by the end of the month. So now I'm not overwhelmed with action, right? Information age, I'm not looking to implement a thousand things. I'm looking to implement two things by the end of September. That's how action is taken, Your brain filters for it. Your reticular activating system is now looking just for that information. And the last thing that I'll mention in this kind of ramble is that at the end of this read, I may have 30 things that I want to implement by the end of September. So, what I'm going to do is write them all out. And then I'm going to look for what 20% of these actions can lead to 80% of the results. Because it's more realistic to take action on two or three highly impactful activities than it is to just take a little bit of action on 30 activities, right? So that's an example of one of the many strategies that I teach in my book, Rise of the Reader, on how to get more out of books like this. I like that. Was that helpful?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, I really like that. And I think that's something even for myself that I have done unintentionally, which has made the absorption of information much better. So I've not specifically written down and uh, what my intent is but I think a lot of the time I pick a book based off of unknowingly the intent that I want to get out of it right because I have a, an endless list as I'm sure you do of books that I would love to read I'm like I'm going to read this one for this reason Um, so I'm unknowingly setting that intention and as a result um, I'm kind of finding that my reticular activating system is working much better because it's it's scanning for the correct pieces of information so I'm actually like picking out really interesting insights that, oh, you know what? That'd be a great coaching model for my clients. You know what? That would be a really good piece of content that I can create around, as opposed to almost just staring at 300 pages worth of words. I'm actually just on the lookout for concepts. Yeah. So yeah, that's a really interesting point. Um, would you do that every time you reapproach that book? Just as a logistical question, I guess. Guys, just a quick one. I really appreciate you hopping in here and listening to these episodes each and every week. I try and fill these with as much value as possible to give you the tools to be able to transform not only your mind and your body, but ultimately your life. Now, I just wanna ask a very quick favor from yourself. If you could spend 10 seconds to just leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to, then that would mean the world to me. But more importantly, it might actually be able to change the world of someone else. And if that wasn't enough, at the end of every month, I'm going to be choosing one person from those who have reviewed for a free coaching call. Thank you. And back to the show.
0: Yes. And I also like to sign and date the book each time, not each time I read, you know, but each time I read the whole book. Mm. So, I mean, some of the books behind me, I've read like 10 times. And so they're signed and dated and they have different intentions, which evolve over time. I mean, I think of a book like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and each and every time I pick up that book from a new perspective, from a new version of myself, I see completely different things that I find useful in there. I was going to say real quick that I just went to a conference and I was I was able to kind of like open up and give a little bit of a, an exercise and workshop for people. And I said, let's develop an intention for this conference so that you know whether or not you achieved your goal of being here. You spent time to be here. You spent money to be here. Don't just show up and blindly take notes. If your goal is to find and implement at least two ways to improve your communication skills by the end of the conference, take notes related to communication. Filter for things related to communication. Don't just sit back and rah, rah, like, let's go. Like No, like, let's make sure this is useful. So this doesn't apply to just reading books. It can apply to podcasts events all sorts of things
1: that's super interesting yeah that's really interesting that's instantly changed the perspective of even just listening to podcasts and going to seminars is that what actually am i wanting to achieve and let's say i think the communication for example if i wanted to improve the the layout or communication of how i present on stage when i public speak I would probably, by setting that intention, be making notes around things that I would not have recognized before. It's interesting the way that he walked onto stage and actually he opened his arms up when he opened his mouth for the first time. It's interesting his body language, the way that he used it in that way when he communicated that message, the tonality of his voice. They're probably not things that you would actually note down if you were just blindly taking notes, like you say.
0: Yeah. And then when you, when you connect with other people, instead of, oh, hey, what do you do? you know, And then you tell them what you do. You'd say, can I share my intention for the event? And they'd be like, yeah, sure. And you'd go, I'm looking for ways to improve my communication. Who is your favorite speaker and why? And then you're going to start to pick up things from other people. And they might say, well, my favorite speaker was this person because they were so self-deprecating and funny and they just kept cracking jokes on stage. And it was amazing how authentic they were. And you're like, oh, OK, I didn't notice that authenticity, you know, creates favoritism in the audience. And you meet the next person, they say the same thing and you go, well, that's two votes for making jokes on stage. You know, so like now all of your conversations are around your intention and not about what do you do and that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, really interesting. I think that's a a great point to kind of take away as well and a really really potent framework to follow in setting intentions prior to embarking on learning new information. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so what would you say, because there are many, what would you say the biggest mistakes are that people make when it comes to approaching let's say reading as a whole, but I would assume that it's going to be directed more towards the self-help knowledge working space. Well, I'll mention a reading
0: specific one first. I think that reading and taking notes are two completely separate activities. And if you try to do both at the same time, I consider that multitasking. I think it's very important to read fast. And I'll give you a metaphor for why I believe this. Imagine you're driving through a neighborhood, but you're going really slow. Well, because you're going slow and you're not using your full brain, you can look at the mailboxes, the houses, you can look at the cars in each driveway, you can really focus elsewhere. But if you are speeding through that neighborhood as fast as possible, your eyes are glued to the road. There's no opportunity for distraction. So the same thing happens when we're reading a book. If we read really slow and we start taking notes and we reflect on everything... We're actually going to lower our attention. We'll start daydreaming. We're not focused on the book. So you've got to read really fast. And if you notice something related to your intention, mark it off really quickly. And then when you're done with your reading session, then go back. And it's a completely separate activity. Then you can go back and reflect on and rewrite your favorite takeaways from the book. So I think it's really important to retain more information by reading faster and maintaining focus, and then separating out, taking notes and reflecting on information, so that you can read faster and take notes faster because they're separate activities. And uh, there's a, there's kind of like a famous multitasking because some people say oh, I'm really good at multitasking. And there's this funny example which is you can say A B C D E F really fast, and you can count one two three four five six seven really fast. But if you try to pivot back and forth between both activities, you go A1, B2, C3, D4, E5. You know, it's a lot slower than doing both of them individually. And so read individually, take notes individually. I think that's a mistake that a lot of people make.
1: Yeah, interesting. And have you found that since like doing that yourself and then also giving that as advice to other people, that people's retention rate specifically is the thing that in, improves? Because I guess you're approaching it from a space of, you're retaining more when you're just reading, but then you're also reinforcing what you've read by actually making notes.
0: Yes, absolutely. So you're retaining more while reading and then the act of repetition, both rereading your favorite takeaways and then rewriting them onto a piece of paper or into an online notebook, that that acts as a separate form of retention and it will strengthen your relationship to the information. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I'm not like a super speed reading nerd or anything like that. I mean, I... A lot of people will say you have to actually remove the sub-vocalization while you're reading, which means you don't actually read it to yourself in your head. You just look at it with your eyes. And I think from a science perspective, there's actually a lot of evidence that says you'll retain even more if you remove sub-vocalization, which like kind of blows my mind. I've never been able to get to that point where you know, I could just look at a page And now it's in my brain. Like, I don't know how much I believe that. I mean, I suppose I believe it, but yeah,
1: that's like a whole nother level of mastery. (laughs) Because I I see this quite often. I see that there are many people who kind of say that they're, they're reading one to two books, to three books, to four books a week. And they're kind of like churning through these books pretty quickly. And in my mind, I find it so incredibly difficult to work through books at that speed like i am definitely a slow slower reader i definitely have an internal narrator reading every single letter out to me in my mind and um i am also guilty of like when i'm listening to audiobooks for example when i'm out on a walk um pausing then going to notes and making notes kind of as I go through. So I I actually do it probably the complete opposite way to what you've just suggested. So be interesting to try that out and see what kind of a difference that makes. Um, But yeah, I'm yet to master any form of like non internal narrative whilst I am reading. Yeah. Well me, me too.
0: So that that's like a whole nother level. Um, But the fact, you know, if anybody listening today is reading at all, and they're consuming information, I think that's 90% of the battle. Yeah. Because most people they're not reading, they're not consuming audiobooks, they're not watching productive YouTube videos or listening to podcasts. I mean, I suppose everybody that's listening to this is by default listening to a podcast or watching a podcast, but um, you know, that's already like a pat on the bat, you know, celebrate small win type of moment because most people just aren't putting in that type of work. So um yeah. Big fan of anybody's intention, anybody who's out there doing it. But once you're doing it, you can improve the skill set. And I like to say like for golf, I've never golfed a day in my life. If I tried to go out and golf and compete against my friends that golf every week, they're going to beat me and it'll be embarrassing. Why? Because it's a skill set that they've developed that I haven't. Same thing with reading books. You know, if you and Warren Buffett both read a financial magazine, Who's going to get more out of it? He is because he knows how to filter for information, pull it out, and implement it into his life. He's going to get more out of the same book, or I'd get more out of the same book than somebody that's just first starting. So I have a framework and an understanding of how to pull information out and implement it in my life, you know?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. I think, again, that's interesting to look at reading as like a skill set rather than. Like the doing, I think it's, it's almost like the being as opposed to just the doing, and it's something that can actually be strengthened through repetition and time itself, not just looking at it as like a means to an end.
0: Yeah, reading as a skill set, and then implementation as a totally different skill set, and retention
1: as a different skill set, right? Yeah, hundred percent. So if we look at those as different skill sets, then for a second, then we look at somebody who's at the start of this whole process and the start of this whole journey, they're in a position currently where they are not reading, but they would like to build the habit of reading. What would your advice be to somebody who is finding that difficult?
0: First, I would say if I paid you $10,000 to read a book by next week, do you think you could do it? And they'd be like, Oh, I could read five, you know? So if it's not a question of, can you read? It's just a question of if you prioritize it enough, Let's try to replace some low-impact activity in our weekly calendar with reading books, which is a high-impact activity. What's the lowest-impact activity that we do? It's probably scrolling on Instagram. It's probably watching Netflix. And so I'm not a robot. Like I have fun. My wife and I, we watch Netflix every night before we go to bed or whatever, other HBO, stuff like that. But if you can just replace 15 minutes... Of Instagram in the morning and 15 minutes of your Netflix in the evening, not the whole thing, just 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes in the evening, that's a half an hour of reading per day. Five days a week, that's two and a half hours of reading. In 15 minutes, if you could read 10 pages, you know, kind of follow that math out, that's 100 pages a week. That's a book every two weeks or so. That's 26 books a year just by replacing a little bit of Instagram and a little bit of Netflix. And here's the other funny thing to think about. You can't remember a reel that you watched six months ago. I can't even remember the main characters in TV shows I watched six months ago. I can't even remember their names. That's useless. It's low impact. It's still fun and entertaining, so still do it. But do a little bit less of it and a little bit more of the reading And your future self, the guy or gal 20, 30, 40 years from now, who's going to benefit from all the books that you read, they're going to be like, thank you so much. And then they're going to be on a podcast in the future telling everybody, you should probably read some books. So that's how it happened for me. And and hopefully I
1: could do that for other people. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And then if we look at this, the secondary skill set, right? Not that it's uh, in order of importance, but I guess order of actually stage it then comes down to implementation right you've you've just created time you've just created 15 minutes in the morning 15 minutes in the evening to start reprioritizing your time because that's often what it is It's it's a time allocation issue rather than actually not having the time so you you've done that you've created space now for 30 minutes of reading a day you're finding that you're finishing a book in the space of two weeks what's the first step to sharpening that implementation skill because i think for a lot of people that is probably where the gap is i have tons of different strategies
0: in the book but i'll mention one right now one of my favorite ways to sharpen the implementation saw is to create an accountability group with some of your most motivated friends that meets on a weekly basis so when i first read the compound effect by darren hardy i did this i started a group we met on friday mornings for one hour and we would talk about the things that we were focused on. And as that group continued to evolve, what we realized was it was a great way to take the books we're reading and the things we wanna implement, verbalize them. This is another form of repetition. When you can move that information around and then teach it to your group, you're far more likely to take action. And then you tell your group, for instance, hey, you know, I just read this great book, $100 million leads. One of the things that I'm looking to implement by the end of September is insert something from the book. And by next week, I want to have made progress on it. So now your accountability group is holding you accountable. They're texting you throughout the week. They're making sure that it's going to happen. And then in the next week's meeting, they say, hey, Nick, how was taking action on that thing from $100 million leads? And if I don't take action, they're going to slap me around a little bit like, hey, wake up, buddy. You only have one life to live. Like, Let's get going here. And that's been tremendous for me. It's kind of like the gym analogy. I mean, you're in, you're in coaching, so I'm sure you leverage accountability. Like you are people's accountability partner. So when I think about, like, let's just say the gym, if I want to wake up and snooze my alarm, but somebody else is waiting at the gym for me, I'm far more likely to get out of bed and get my butt to the gym, right? If my coach is going to be on a call, I'm far more likely the night before to get all that work done that I said I was going to get done so that I don't let him down. And I think that's what the accountability group can do for you. And we are the average of the five people that we spend the most time with, as Jim Rohn says. So elevate your friend group, buy five copies of Rise of the Reader and go through the book together and talk about how to improve yourself, build this accountability group and support each other. So sometimes I'll hear people say, well, I'm the most motivated person in my friend group. Like, I don't think that they'd be open to this kind of stuff. I think we can start the conversation in a variety of different ways. You can reach out to somebody and say, Hey, Jack, remember that marathon that you told me you were going to run last year? Like, did you do it? No. Well, maybe I could hold you accountable to getting back on track and we could meet weekly and talk about your running. You could support me on something else, my business or whatever, and I'll support you on your running. And just start to have productive conversations that aren't about gossip or TV or sports. I mean, that stuff has its place too, but talk a little bit more about the productive stuff or. Hey, remember that copy of $100 million leads I gave you last month? Like, have you opened it yet? No. Well, let's read the book together and let's start to implement it on a weekly basis. And if you don't have anybody in your friend group that's receptive to that, get in the comment section of somebody like Alex Hormozzi. You'll see other motivated people that share the same perspective that you do for maximizing your life potential and shoot them a DM. It's going to feel weird. Who cares if people say no? As Hormozy would say, nobody's going to remember in 100 years anyway. So shoot them a DM like, hey, I see you're reading the book as well. Do you want to jump on a call weekly and chat through your biggest takeaways? Can't wait to implement this thing. And if you message enough people, one of them will definitely say yes. So that was a lot of information, man. But I hope that the idea of an accountability group is becoming a little bit more realistic for everybody listening. 100%.
1: 100%. And you can take the uh, the cold outreach system from the leads, the leads True. <laughs> that uh, propose uh, a value equation of accountability. Uh, so I think that's a good idea. But yeah. yeah, I actually ripped out the value
0: equation page from offers and I keep it on my desk just so that I'm always looking
1: at it. And then like every once in a while, I'll be like, oh, that's a better way to minimize time delay or whatever. Yeah, nice. I like that. It's funny, funny you say that. My my leads book came today, so I actually thought I'm actually going to revisit offers as well to kind of go through that process of like fine tuning because it's been well over a year and a half since I, I I looked at it once, and that's a a habit that I have due to my list of books being so large of what I want to read that I find that I do only currently read a book once. Um, so I think like you, you mentioned earlier that when you revisit a book you are going to obtain something different from it because you're more than likely going to be at a different space when you're reading it. Um, Do you have any kind of rules of thumb that you follow for yourself personally as to like, you know what, I revisit a book every two years or anything like that? Or is it based on kind of what circumstantial what's going on in your life at that point in time? It's a little bit of both. So when thinking about reading books multiple
0: times, what I like to do at a bare minimum is read my favorite takeaways from those books multiple times per year. And if you take good notes and you isolate the most important ones and you put them into some type of searchable online notebook like Evernote, now you can systematically review those big takeaways from each book instead of rereading the whole thing. But I will say that each time you reread a book, especially if a year or two has gone by, you'll be reading it from a new perspective. So the 4% of books that have had 96% of my success tied to them like I'm going to reread those every so often. The rest of the books, I'll just look at my biggest takeaways from them so that I can systematically review that information and increase the time that I retain it.
1: Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, that speaks to the intent that you you provide to start with and then reviewing actually those SMART goals that you've set in place and actually assessing, did this book solve that problem or meet that criteria that I was looking for? And I guess that will allow you to determine how successful it was as a read. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, really cool. Well, look, we'll we'll start to wrap up there because I know you've got a, a busy day ahead. Um, but as a kind of dovetail, and as we start to bring this towards towards the end, we close this off. Why should people buy this book if they haven't already got into their head? Why why they're going to buy it? The right book at the right time can
0: change your life, and if you are in agreement with me on that then you need to get the most out of each book. If you choose not to get the most out of each book, there's an opportunity cost associated to it. You're spending your time, you're spending your money, you may as well get the most out of your time and out of your money because you can't get either one of them back. So this book can help you do that. In the last 10 years, I've literally designed my dream life. Sometimes people say, hey, what's your future look like? What's next for you? And I just tell them more of the same because I am in love with every area of my life. And that's the result of reading and implementing hundreds of books. So read this book so that you don't end up regretting not having done so earlier, because eventually you'll stumble upon it. And you'll be like, wow, I wish I read that 10 years ago. Just like I wish I had
1: access to this stuff 10 years ago, too. Nice, man. Nice. And I'll put the, the link to pre-order it because um, it's out November. Yep, November 1st
0: is when it comes out. It just became available for pre-order like the other day as of this recording. So
1: super excited. Awesome. So I'll put the link to that in the show notes. So anybody that wants to pre-order that for November can do so. Um, But just to wrap up, where can people find you? You know what? If if anybody wants a personalized book
0: recommendation, they can reach out to me on Instagram at bookthinkers, spelled just like it sounds. And DM me a problem you're currently facing or skill set that you want to improve. My favorite thing to do is play this book matchmaker role. So I'll make an individual book recommendation for you. And I'll even play the role of your accountability partner and follow up in three months or six months and see if you've read the book and what you thought about it. It's one of my favorite things to do. And you can find links to everything else uh, right on the book thinkers Instagram
1: page amazing awesome that sounds like a really great and innovative idea as well um appreciate you being on it today mate it's been really awesome chatting to you and uh i'll keep in touch
0: thank you yeah i
1: love it man awesome man take care speak soon guys i appreciate you for listening and i hope you enjoyed this episode as much as i did and you found it valuable to make sure you don't miss an episode like this in the future hit that subscribe button but until then take ownership Take action and keep hustling.